Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Let's meet our players. Hi, I'm Grant, and I'm playing Trather Wimblin, a human fighter. Hi, I'm Jenny, and I'm going to be playing John Abermere, a crimson-born human. Peter, Bertrand Greystone, Dwarven Forge Cleric. William R. Ericocro Magi. Daniel, I am playing Vatten. I am a half-elf ranger. Hi, my name is Ben, and I am Twig, or Shem. I am a rogue bard and a, a goliath. We hope you enjoy our episode. Welcome back to City on the Hill Gaming. I am your Game Master, Ryan, and it's time for more of that 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons goodness. That's right, we're back. Yep. It, <clears throat> we, we got it's almost almost everyone. We, uh, we are missing the William, but hopefully he will be back next time. And... Uh, Short recap, because it's been a hot minute since we rolled dice. When we played last time, we had a special guest. Justin came on, and uh, he and his villain, Marianus, uh, had a nice little tussle with you guys um, in a sort of half-sunken, falling-apart city that he was trying to raise from the deep. And he might not have been going about it in the best most appropriate um, manner in terms of violence. Yeah. But, uh, sane. <laughs> not, not particularly sane. Uh, you, you guys did try and help him. not be his fault. So, not exactly yeah. accurate. Well, <laughs> I mean, he couldn't get a hold of Josh Groban. Hey, no. I you like that raise song. It up. <laughs> I like Josh Groban. I like that I song at least. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Gratuitous <laughs> reference. <laughs> I'm in a mood today. It wasn't Buckle in, everybody. It's going to be a wild ride. Buckle in, kids. We're going to go play tabletop games. All right. We're going to Daniel Town. <laughs> Is that like Flavor Town? No one wants to go to Daniel Town. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Daniel instead of Guy Fieri. So. Will you bleach your hair? Uh, I will. Side note, <laughs> Side note, I may have been considering it, but I probably won't do the spikes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So you guys, uh, you had your fight with Marianus, defeated Marianus, <laughs> and then um, your lovely friend with the shield and the extendy mace uh, showed up with a giant beast guardian to protect uh, Marianus' spear from further inappropriate use. Ah, uh, Yes. Good old Extendy Mace. Extendy Mace. That is now their name because they won't tell us our name. They do have one now, as of literally today. Hooray! I, I, oh, I, crowd, I crowdsourced it. Hello, Lady Extendy Mace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a Lady Extendy Mace to you. Fair. <clears throat> oh. She's like, excuse me, it is Countess Extendy Maze. <laughs> Duchess, thank you. <laughs> All right. We lost a Ben. Uh, we, oh, I, think, no. I think we did lose a Ben. There's a couple of the sort of deep elves still in the room. Some of them have uh, dived. Dove. Dove. There we go. That's the word. Maybe. Have Someone... dived. Have, have dived. Okay. Have Had dived. dived is correct. Had dived. Okay. Had dived back into the water. Thank you, Jenny. So she looks yeah. at you. Right. Well, now that hmm, with the spear, yes, it is dealt with. Um, we have a more pressing issue, I believe. I apologize for replacing one problem with another. Well, what's going on? <clears throat> if, if I had to guess, would this issue be uh, reptilian, black, has some wings, loosely dragon shaped? Vaguely dragon-shaped? Vaguely dragon-shaped. It's possible, yes. Um, or, yeah. It, it is come to our attention, as you have been somewhat aware, he has been gathering something of an army. Oh, that's not good. No. <clears throat> I mean, you have, you've seen the crow, the orcs, the kinku, the ebon wanderers in the desert, all of his... Wait a second. The ebon wanderers in the desert are his, too? The, the people oh, yes. with, like, the... The four with the, the yeah. things, yes, and... the, the one they are searching for is him. Yes, Senna. Wonder okay. awaiting his readiness. <clears throat> well, this is all great news. Bertrand is just like pacing in a circle, like tugging at his beard. That's not good. 
That's not good. <laughs> In my mind, and this is, is to some extent up to you, I believe we need more information. Uh, and we need more allies. And as she says that, actually several of the Deep Elves kind of step back out of the water. If you're willing, we would like to assist you. I know we started down this path because of Sanot, but we do not wish to continue it. He is a menace. And we would also like to help you, if we can, with your city. I don't know what's in our power, but if it's possible, we could help you as well. And this would be the first step towards redemption and helping right some of the wrongs that have happened here. We'll take it. Ryan, Ryan talking, not one of them. Um, you have a handful of allies. Obviously, you have uh, Mace Lady. Um, the Leon and I don't know what they're actually. The Thundercats. The, the Thundercats. Uh, the Jedit. But yes. Thank you. Sorry. You didn't have my notes in front of me. <laughs> I apologize. Good. I kind of like that, too. Uh, the Leonin is probably more accurate, though. Yes. Um, I mean, it's literally Jed. It's a, a word I pulled off of, of a card, too. So you're not wrong. Um, you have Melee. We've, we've got kind of our freelance adventurers for hire people, probably. Sure. I, I don't know if we have enough gold to convince them to take on an army. Um, I am warden of the crossroads, and we could probably, <laughs> along with Trather, I'm sure that we could convince, uh, a, at least have some sort of support Anything from the crossroads in that area. So we have a little support there. You do have and... Bastion, and... Saley and the Hawk and their group. Yes, and the Hawk and the Shepherds. So it's not like an insubstantial oh, the thing. Oh, the, the oh, at shepherds. least a few well, good uh, family members back shepherd, home too. <clears throat> there might also be some dwarves. You know, there are more in the area than you realized. That is a thing. Um, so you're not without options, but you are without a lot of concrete information. You've been a lot of places. You've seen a lot of orcs. We know we can find the dragon. Yes, after you visit Radden and retrieve the scales he's working on. Yes, so we have a way to find him, okay. and we have a group. You would need to gather everyone. And I think we need more information and planning. Okay. Because so... there's, there, there's no way what group we could put together would be able to match an organized army without a plan. Especially one led by a dragon. There is that. I, yeah. I mean, the whole, like, flying breath weapon thing definitely is a little bit of a force multiplier there. It puts a little damper on things, yes. It'll be okay, I'm sure. I mean, you guys already beat one dragon. That's not nothing. And you only had to talk I'm to her. I'm not sure we let's, beat her. We talked to her. She was reasonable. She let, didn't let's let's beat more amicably met after, you know, a, a, a short walk. Potato, potato. Ooh, I could go for a bowl of potatoes. Ooh, potatoes. Oh, and for the mm. audience's sake, um, since you'll hear him in the outro and maybe a little bit in the intro, we did lose a bin to computer issues. Um, been, been good, been computer, not good. No Ben on recording tonight. Uh, also, bad no Ben one, computer. Bad it computer. not perfect system. It's not perfect system. She looks at a lot of you. I think it would be best if we left this area and reconvene elsewhere, perhaps back uh, with the Hawk and her people or elsewhere. I have some plans I need to make and... Uh, I will see you in the future. Okay, serious game-related question. Answer. Refresh Peter's memory. Yes. Where were the Hawk and her people set up again? Uh, so they're actually in a city you haven't been to yet. It's in the same region you are. Um, it's sort of loosely the capital um, of Anwaru. Um, it is on the largest mountain in the region, and it's sort of... Uh, it, it's what's called the... There's there's a an orcish word 
but most people just call it the city on the hill. Okay. And uh, okay. it is where she typically operates from. It was the original Orcish capital of the region. Gotcha. So the the tall mountain in Anwaru that was in the was that in the in the note that we found? Is that the same the same place? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. When yes, the it came the from, harvest uh, was wrecked. Yes. Is that the name of it? That is the place he was referencing. Correct. All right. Um, he referenced a tall mountain. Basically, because I, I don't know, it, um, the city is essentially built into, like, partway up the cliff. Sort of like in a, someone's going to have to give me a name. Kind of like a, the Pueblos or something? I was thinking slightly different tribe, but yes, a, a southwestern um, Native American tribe that built, okay. like, high up in the cliffs in, like, little... So more... Anastasia. more uh, Anasazi, yeah. thank you. That's, That's the one I wanted. Yeah, to I was, I was going to say more like Pueblo Adobe, less Petra carved out of a mountain. Actually, more more like what Grant said, more like Anasazi. Um, okay, would would be that that kind of location, um, and it's not difficult to find. I'm sure at least two or three of your characters would have been there at some point in the past. I think that definitely probably has made delivery of something when you were with the uh, the gang. I'm sure yeah. something went to the city at some point. Uh, Bertrand probably has relatives who live there. So Ginny's um, character John definitely knows where it is. How how difficult is would the would the mountains be to traverse? Um, with permission, not very. Okay. It is it is guidable and path laden as long as you're supposed to be there. Um, if you are not supposed to be there, almost impossible. And there's something mm. at work there that that literally changes the um, physical texture of the rock face, dependent Neat. on those factors. All right. Um, okay. So, what's the best way to go about getting permission to, to go there? You do have some people you could reach out to. Um, you do know you've met the hawk once. Um, mm -hmm. You have met. And worked with several of her people, several of her uh, personal guard. You also know her messenger, both her messengers. Well, her yeah, her messenger, the guy with the tiger, and her messenger, the guy that the the lady that likes to zap Grant. I mean, uh, Trather. The 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 mist. Yes, person. the mist. Um, so um, you, she'd be the, she'd be the easiest one to find, oddly enough, because multiple multiple of you. Or at least Daniel, I would say, would have contacts that would have contact with her due to a, a shared question. line of work. Well, I mean, it's it, it's that or the um, you'll have to refresh my memory because it's been a while. The the city that we saved from the elementals. Oh, we uh, knew. Yes, we knew that that's a post for her, so it would be easy enough. You could to, go back there. Yes. To go there um, for a contact point to get permission. I believe that's Revan. I have another thought if John is willing to give it a shot. Is there some way that John can, like, attune to the Crimson Rift energy and track her down that way? Because they both share a common origin of their supernatural abilities. I mean, that would be really cool. It is possible John has the ability to notice a fellow crimson born more quickly than the average person would in I terms mean, John of is there's like a there's a radiance but not to John the level is mostly about refraction of light it's not about like resonance it's about right. refraction of light for him mostly yeah i don't i mean i dig the idea but i'm gonna go with no yeah, yeah i don't i don't think we could tune john's the tech <laughs> magic like a geiger counter until it starts going off as cool as that, that would be We'd probably be doing something wrong if John's suddenly saying going. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> probably. Uh, uh -huh. It sounds fun, I admit. Yeah. Curious, but, now, but unlikely. Now, yes, to the, the point of visiting Grevin again, absolutely, that is an option. Yeah. Uh, now, you're very now, popular there. Yeah, I, I would be willing to say that we can start moving towards Grevin unless there's something else we need to be doing or more information we need to get. We can start moving towards Grevin, and then Vatten's going to start chewing on an idea about that 
city on a hill. Okay. Because it's, as you said, it's very, very defensible. Incredible. So if we could provoke Hmm. an attack or if we could give the dragon some reason to focus on attacking that city first. Oh, that would be good turf to defend. Yeah. It would be good turf to defend Mm -hmm. and it would be easy to trap an army there to keep the dragon preoccupied and then being able to take the dragon. Well, and the other Just thing that's thought, nice about is, it, uh, well, yeah. okay. So th- this is, this will go over well with Bertrand because th- there's another thing that's nice about highly advantageous situations like that. And that's that like one side will tend to realize that they're beaten more quickly. And so there's less overall loss of life. So that right. would, that would be a good thing all on its own. True. Yeah. The, the, on, the, the, only problem would be making sure we can perhaps try to find figure out a way to workshop something decisive because the last thing we want is this like pyrrhic victory on the mountains where a city's being laid siege to and supplies are being cut off and things like that so we we want to be as decisive as we can but yeah it it would be a good place to maybe not necessarily set up an ambush I'm not opposed to the idea, but so, just being able to cut off, uh, like trap an entire army in the mountains and then deal with the dragon. So okay. here's here's um here's a thought. Like, what what kind of uh, climate are we looking at in those mountains? Is it really like hot? Is it cold where there's snow where we can create some artificial avalanches and just strand an army in a pass someplace? Well, we can do rock slides whether or not there's snow. Yeah. But snow is faster and easier. You can just use like loud noises in some cases. I mean, somebody with some thunder spells would probably be able to create an avalanche pretty e- easily. I will say like, no snow. And with the the way the city is built into the cliff face, uh, rock slides are a problem in terms maybe, of like structural integrity of the. Well, we're yeah, just thinking thing. like whatever path you would take to the city, or you, a path you, of retreat that we uh, could close with a rock slide. You think you wouldn't need the rock slide to close it? That that's maybe something the mountain might do on its own, for lack of a mm. better way of putting it. Neat. Um. Okay, All right. So, so we we can chew on this yeah, yeah, while yeah. we're while we're heading that direction, unless okay. there's. Unless there's something else important that needs to happen beforehand. So she turns to leave. Um, she stops and looks at you. I have some things to attend to. Uh, if you need me before I happen upon you again, so to speak, uh, go to Daisha. And uh, Daisha, for reference, because I haven't said that name in a long time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daisha is of Izzo and Daisha. The people who first originally hired you in the first city. They run sort of that hiring adventures business you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, that's Izzo yeah. and Daisha. That has um, been a little while. I, I had to <laughs> find that name, and I only found Izzo and then remembered the other half. Because I lost my notebook. Oh, uh, no. So, like, the first oh. two sessions, I don't know where went. Oh, dear. Everything else I've got in Google Docs, but that was before I was using those. Um, find Daisha and tell her you need Bethily. She will find me. And then she walks off. She Bethily. finally gave us her name. I thought that day would never come. <clears throat> Fatten frantically scribbles down Bethily on some roll of parchment and puts it mm-hmm. in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Bertrand makes, probably does the same thing. Thinks for a moment, pulls out three more, and yeah, scribbles those down them. and hands them to different party members. And <laughs> It's important. Okay. So. <laughs> That's Vatten points at Melee and goes, Bethily. Write that down. Right. Okay. Sorry. Got it. I know you're not my squire, but <laughs> it's important. I'm commandeering you your squire. <laughs> just, just, just briefly borrowing your squire for a minute. Be, be I am commandeering your squire. squire for important official business. Mm, yes, I'll allow it. Flash's badge. <laughs> Ma'am, I need to borrow your squire. <laughs> okay. Uh, so as you guys, he's like, I'm hurt. Sorry, <laughs> the squire's like, I'm right here. 
And I already wrote it down <laughs> before you did. I have a book for these things. Uh, so you guys head outside, and you notice a couple of things. It's getting dark, and you see a lot of dust kicking up in the distance. Not like quickly or in a rushed, well, in a semi-rushed fashion, but in like a large caravan fashion. Oh, okay. First, when you said dust storm, I was like, all right, well, time to put on the sand scarf and get ready for a fight. Yes. Um, but, okay, everyone make me the perception check. Okay. Oh, I have to remember how to do this. It's been 16? 15 years. Back in my day. All right. All right. What the crap? <laughs> Whoa, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's not. Don't look at that. I forgot how roll I mean, 20 you works. You got a 20. Well, yeah. Well, Across instead of three of them. So <laughs> I forgot how roll 20 works. And instead of rolling a d20 plus three, I just rolled three of them, which is close enough. I mean, you succeed, I guess. Six. There we go. <laughs> got him. Doubt that sand got my eye. I forgot how to roll dice. Oh. You didn't put the, the eye coverings on in time. All right. Uh, always wear eye pro. Always. Always. 100% of the time. Safety third. Thank you for that too, Daniel. Because that was also really oddly specific. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Jenny uh, and Grant. What you see looks to be a very hastily, poorly put together caravan moving in a pretty quick fashion this doesn't look um merchant like does it look like refugee like yes yeah, it's refugees or maybe they won't notice if we ambush them out of these wagons 100 percent, not the second one okay uh first one's a possibility you're you're not 100 percent on that part but it's 100 percent, not the second one uh, and you also oh, notice a, a sort of a curious mixture um of of a couple of different races, some you've seen in the area, some you haven't. So you have dwarves, orcs with dwarves, which is fairly uncommon, and then uh, Jinjai. And for reference for you guys, because I don't think I've said this to you before, and also the listener, Jinjai is the colloquial term I use for Genasi. Uh, so it's sort of a band of maybe 20 or 30 of them. Peter, these are not the kind of dwarves you're used to seeing in this region and you don't ever see them with orcs on purpose uh, and there really aren't a whole lot of jinjai in this area at all scratches his beard and it's like i kind of want to go see what's going on here um they appear to have like the remnants of a village in carts how how far are we away from the the uh deep elf city we were just at uh, you're basically next to it. Basically next to it. Unless so you they're... need to not be. I mean, if you want to be a little further away, that's fine. But Well, I, I was, like, are they, does it look like they're headed towards the ruins of the city? No. They are headed back towards the desert. From uh... further... So, like, you guys came west to get to the ocean? Yes. In this area? They look like they're headed east back towards the desert from the area you're in. So they're, they're heading... Into the desert. Yes. Um, you don't look hmm. like they want. They don't necessarily look like that was the plan. Maybe to start with, but that's where they're going now, at least directionally speaking. So you said it looks like the remnants of a village. Yeah, like worth it, it looks like they like... hastily packed up everything they could into carts and left. Okay, we should we should yeah, definitely we should. intercept and see if we can help these. Yeah, yeah, three hundred percent. Okay, yeah, there's um, there's no way we're letting a group of like desperate looking people on the run, and there's no way we're not helping them. Yeah. Okay, so as yeah. you get closer, um, the handful of them that have weapons out uh, do get a little defensive looking. Uh, I'm going to shoulder my weapons and put my hands up. I'm going to smile and hold up my holy symbol. <laughs> like, we're, we're here to see if we can help you. One of the, the Jinjai stepped forward. Um, where do you come yeah. from, Orc? Dwarf. I don't know why I said Orc. 
Where do you come from, Dorf? Oh, all over the place these days. Um, but I got to ask you the same thing. It looks like you all packed up in a terrible hurry. <laughs> you are not wrong. We are being chased, I suppose. Uh-oh. By what? whom? <laughs> Unsure. They literally fall from the sky. What kind of things fall from the sky? Whatever these creatures are. I'm uncertain, to be honest. We've not seen them before. They are certainly not regional. Like. They are large... golem-like creatures. Uh, appear to be made of stone. Possibly. They... Uh, can, can Bertrand make a roll to know what a gargoyle is? <laughs> no, the golem. Oh. Golem-like thing. Golem-like. Um... Uh, yes, if someone wants to make a roll of some sort, roll roll those dice. Go for it. I can do nature. Sure. Nature, survival. Nature. I got a sure. Arcana. I'm going with it. The Arcana? I'll accept it. 17. There's no sand in my eyes here. You're good. Okay, so let's see what we've got. So 17 nature, uh, and then 15 and 18 Arcana. Um, so, I mean, you guys are all familiar with golem. Golems? Sure. Um, in, in some form or fashion, they are construct creatures, uh, to some extent. They are made of a variety of things. And they don't usually fall from the sky. They also don't usually fly, which is why I, Peter the player, thought gargoyles, because, you know, they're also made of stone fair. flying. Uh, but golems are usually too heavy to get into the sky to fall from the sky. Yeah, which suggests either, like, some kind of an airship or a very strong flying creature that's dropping these things like bombs, which is kind of Golden a scary Or the guys who summon stones out of the sky. Yeah, or could, someone you know. built a very big trabucket. Yes. Oh, get out. Tre tre trebuchet. <laughs> I like it. That's good. Yeah. Sorry, in French it means very bucket. Huh. You learned something new. It doesn't. Please don't. Oh, okay. Tray, tray bucket. Very bucket. Oh, very bucket. Okay, right. Got me. Sorry. That's... That just, my yeah, Age don't of take French, kicked in and I wasn't don't, sure. Don't take French lessons for me. All French I knew I learned from Dexter's laboratory. <laughs> it's a good source. Okay. For that and beards. Okay, so golems. So golems. Falling um, from the sky. Probably launched by some sort of catapult. J Jenny, summoned? yes. You, John. John has been perceiving mm -hmm. a lot, and you think there's something falling from the sky. And by falling, I mean with like less of a falling and more more of like a meteor like trajectory. Like oh, like like on fire reentry from the atmosphere traject trajectory. Like here and now? Like at your generalish direction. John looks up into the sky. Definitely something that direction. Uh, what direction would be the best direction in which to run? Um I mean they're all fairly open. There are some small bits of structure around you, but Go left. Yes, serpentine. Everything's relatively open. Okay. Um and it appears to be making a straight line. Towards one of loosely towards one of the caravan parts of the caravan, like to a specific cart. Is John Other player help? Do you this? have feather fall? Uh, John is yes. No, I don't have feather fall because that doesn't have to do with light refraction, and I'm dedicated <laughs> to an aesthetic. I'm fair. <laughs> you, you do you. I respect that. I do me, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, John just yells. At this hour. <laughs> John just points at the sky and yells, run, and starts running. Um, they seem very accustomed to whatever's falling from the sky, and yes, they do run. Except for okay. two of the three of them, two or three of them that do put up weapons. One of them just goes, ugh, again. Yeah, more or less. Uh, they seem surprised, though. There's only one. Oh, okay. How big? Um, medium-ish. Okay. Um, like size category medium. Yes, size category medium. Okay. At, at to the point, well, to the point it is now because it has gotten within 
visual distance for everyone. Everyone is now aware of this thing that is rocketing directly in your general direction. Bertrand is going to look at, like, the caravan and make sure that there's nobody who's having trouble getting away from this. Uh, one or two are struggling a little bit. Uh, they will not continue to struggle if he has anything to do about it. Like, <laughs> done and done. Protect the civilians. <laughs> so has it has it landed yet? Not quite. Um do do I see where it's landing? Yes. Um, like I can do a ten foot cube. Of what? <laughs> of I have concerns. Um, Ice water. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry. Hang on, let me let me just make sure of something. I'm thinking about doing Phantasmal Force, where it's gonna land. Okay. Um, but it's also made of fire, so my standard fire pit isn't gonna work. So I'm just gonna say bunch of spikes. Oh, no, okay. But this is an illusion, correct? It is an illusion, but it has to make an intelligent saving throw. Oh no! All right. Or or it I'm works sure that's like fine. it's real. Okay. Did you think we talked about spike? Oh wait, wait, wait. Never. Oh, okay. I I think John's gonna do it anyway because he doesn't know it's not gonna work because this is probably a construct. Oh, well, I mean, you know what a you know what it is. You made the arcana check earlier. Ah, oh, that's fair. Okay, then John doesn't do it because it's okay. a construct and phantasmal force doesn't work on constructs. Sound temperature okay. and other. Huh. That's other senses. That's kind of cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It is really cool. I remember when I took that spell, though, you were like, hey, don't be like a meanie with it. And I'm trying not to be a meanie with it. I appreciate that. I do like the idea, though. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, so it, I think, I think it appears to not be able to, like, course correct particularly. Mm. Um, and so it just comes to a stop where it intended to. And it does impact the ground rather aggressively. And a large shiny creature stonish bipedal creature steps out of a hole in the ground oh dear and it looks towards one of the carts nope um uh but before an initiative gets rolled do i have a chance to look up and see if is there's like a contrail from where it came is it just like straight up or does it look like it has a point of origin it has a point of origin in what direction? Is it the moon? It's into the it's <laughs> it's sky. Like when I say to like this isn't like a it's the moon. Um this Stop doesn't mocking look, me. It doesn't look like it's something that was like launched from somewhere else on the ground and has like an arc that it fell, followed. But maybe perhaps dropped by some sort of large flying creature? Uh, wouldn't have this kind of momentum to be on fire for, like, actual re-entry. This okay. made actual, and I don't know how this translates into 5th edition terms, this made actual atmospheric entry. Fatten starts scribbling out terminal velocity <laughs> equations in the sand. VT equals square root over... No, never mind. Yes. Okay, uh, so no, you're pretty sure this came from the actual... Moon? Sky, sky. I won't go straight to moon. Okay. But certainly not. Like, the catapult thing was a, a joke. Uh, uh, technically, while it's still in space, Thank it's you. a meteoroid. Thank you. And wrong. once it's landed, is now a meteorite golem. <laughs> at what You're point welcome, is it, everybody. At what point is it Looking a comic? That's an actual let's question. Let's do something about that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's make it a series of smaller meteorites. So actually, as you guys start to move, uh, the Jinjai you were talking to just kind of like throws his arms out and this rush of water comes from um, and the golem just kind of flies backwards. That's a neat trick. And it starts to stagger up, but I'm just going to assume you guys deal with it without uh, you don't have to roll initiative for this. Okay. okay. Uh, um. I have a question about golems in this universe. Do they follow the um, original golem rules of they have, like, the laws that they follow in their mouths on paper? Oh, like, there's an actual piece of paper, like, in their mouth that explains 
that gives them orders, oh. tells them the rules. Their their rules. Their laws. No. Okay. Actually, Ginny, if you want to get close enough, make an investigation check. Or perception. Okay. Um Oh, uh, that's the wrong thing to click. All right. As a point of order, while she's doing that, that's really cool. And I deeply appreciate the mythology behind that. I didn't that's know great. that, but I dig it a lot. Yeah, the original Golem legend is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, a Golem of Prague, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. Anyway, 18 for perception. Okay, uh, so you notice on, his, on the Golem's arm... Um, a series of, it looks like runes have been carved into it. Mm. So maybe not exactly what you were shooting for, but something similar, possibly. Okay. They glow a little. Okay. Uh, um, or- orangish. Alright, John's gonna yell, aim for the arm! Okay. Uh, which arm? The, uh, the one with words on it! The glowing These one. words? <laughs> <laughs> and there we have an, an Order of the Stick reference. Oh, very nice. I prepared explosive runes this morning. <laughs> I dig it. Um, so yes, if you aim for the arm, as it were, um, it, it you assume it's not necessarily consistent per golem, but it might be. Um, this one's the right arm. Uh, if if you like, I'm assuming Vatten shoots it or something, and the arm comes sure. off, and the golem just kind of slumps over. Um, and the the Jinjai looks at you, uh, that. That's, oh. I mean, not that one, but lot, lots of that. Lots of those. Yeah. Lots that's... of them. How consistently, like, are they on a schedule or is it random? Random. Hmm. Some of them hit buildings. Some of well, them hit the uh, ground. It, it varies. They wait, came do we... to the village do... maybe eight hours ago. Do we do we still have that protective blue shell necklace thing that we got in part with the uh, the the part of the snail flail, but the smaller one, not the cube? Oh, the pink one, yeah. the little one. What's that I do? Th- and could that help? Interesting theory. Uh, I think it was our. Oh, it wasn't delivered. So it's supposed to go to Bastion. Yes. The the warforged um, Jenny. Um, proper word for plant keeper. Botanist. Thank you. Uh, yes. Okay. The warforged botanist slash druid slash uh, tiny mouse bird keeper. Uh, it, it is technically supposed to go to him. Okay. Eventually. I think John still has it. Yes. Okay. So, because Vatten doesn't, uh, let's see. It's just my base arcana bonus is only plus one. I have a very loose understanding of how magical rules work, so I will literally ask the group, Okay, would that be able to do something about this, or at least throw off the tracking, or could we use it in some way to help with this, at least temporarily? I'd like to know what these things are tracking in the first place. You don't usually get massive golems falling out of the sky on random villages and then pursuing them when they run. That yeah. seems a little troubling. It would have to be wait, um, All right, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to turn to whoever the obvious-looking leader of this village is and ask them, is there anything of value that they would be seeking? Because it seems to be looking at a single caravan, right? Uh, I mean, just this caravan in, in general. It was targeting a specific cart, possibly. Yes. What's in that cart that they could track? Uh, is there some sort of magical item that could be? Uh, I, what's is there a good verb for honed in on? Targeted, attracting. Those are all great words. Let's assume Vatten uses one of those. Sonard. To be clear, any linguistic suggestions are out of character. Oh yeah, <laughs> but mm, no, maybe. I, like, I like that some of them aren't. Could be founded. Yes, there you go. Um. So he seems to not think so. Anyone who's looking towards the cart sees a dwarf gentleman very sheepishly try and hide something. Thanks for listening to City on the Hill Gaming. For more information, you can find us online at cityonthehillgaming.com, email us at cityonthehillgaming at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at City on the Hill Gaming. 
For more information on saving the game, you can find Peter, Grant, and Jenny at stgcast.org or at Saving the Game on Twitter. Thanks, and have a blessed day. Thanks, as always, to our fine Patreon backers, Joanne, Ashley, and the fine folks over at the Nerd of Godcast. We can be found over at patreon.com slash Gaming. The thing's red, please. Pour forward. Cool. 20 years ago, I knew a man called Jiggins who had the health habit. He used to take a cold plunge every morning. He said it opened his pores. After it, he took a hot sponge. He said it closed his pores. He got so that he could open and shut his pores at will. Jiggins used to stand and breathe at an open window for half an hour before dressing. He said it expanded his lungs. He might, of course, have had it done in a shoe store with a boot stretcher. But after all, it cost him nothing this way. And what is half an hour? After he'd got his undershirt on, Jiggins used to hitch himself up like a dog in a harness and do shadow exercises. He did them forwards, backwards, and hindside up. He could have got a job as a dog anywhere. He spent all his time at this kind of thing. In his spare time at the office, he used to lie on his stomach on the floor and see if he could lift himself up with his knuckles. If he could, then he tried some other way until he found one that he couldn't do. Then he would spend the rest of his lunch hour on his stomach, perfectly happy. In the evenings in his room, he used to lift iron bars, cannonballs, heave dumbbells, and haul himself up to the ceiling with his teeth. You could hear the thumps half a mile. He liked it. He spent half the night slinging himself around his room. He said it made his brain clear. When he got his brain perfectly clear, he went to bed and slept. As soon as he woke, he began clearing it again. Jiggins is dead. He was, of course, a pioneer, but the fact that he dumbbelled himself to death at an early age does not prevent a whole generation of young men from following in his path. They are ridden by the health mania. They make themselves a nuisance. I... Where is that from? Huh. That's from Stephen Leacock. It's called How to Live to Be 200. <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that he opens his pores so that he can close them again. Yes. <laughs> because they... It's fine. Ben! Yeah. Words, please. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Did we nope, not believe okay. hard enough? Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> the sky was an inky dark canopy as, it, as the antique wooden wagon rolled through the streets. Its aged wooden awnings were folded uh, down over the sides, protecting the interior from the elements as well as prying eyes. Oddly, there was, no, uh, there was nothing pulling the wagon. There were no beasts of burden yoked to the front, nor were there any signs of technology at work. The cursed were, uh, wheels were even made of old wood. Hmm. That's cool. I like it. Fun. Oh, I think you're cutting in and out again. I will mute again real quick. There we go. Okay. Very cool either way. Grant. In their ruddy jackets of leather that reached to their knees, the men of Earl appeared before their lord, the stately white-haired man in his long red room. He leaned in his carven chair and heard their spokesman. And thus their spokesman said, for seven hundred years the chiefs of your race have ruled us well, and their deeds are remembered by the minor minstrels, living on yet in their little tinkling songs, and yet the generations stream away, and there is no new thing. What would you? said the lord. We would be ruled by a magic lord, they said. So be it, said the lord. It is five hundred years since my people have spoken thus in parliament, and it shall always be as your parliament saith. You have spoken. So be it. And he raised his hand and blessed them, and they went. They went back to their ancient crafts, to the fitting of iron to the hooves of horses, to working upon leather, to tending flowers, to ministering to the rugged needs of earth. They followed the ancient ways and looked for a new thing. But the old lord sent a word to his eldest son, bidding him come before him. And very soon the young man stood before him in that same carven chair from which he had not moved, where light, growing late, from high windows showed the aged eyes, looking far into the future beyond that old lord's time. And seated there, he gave his son his commandment. Go forth, he said, before these days of mine are over, and therefore go in haste, and go from here eastwards, and pass the fields we know, till you see the lands that clearly pertain to fairy, and cross their boundary, which is made of twilight, and come to that palace that is only told of in song. It is far from here, said the young man Alverick. Yes, answered he, it is far. And further still, the young man said to return, for distances in those fields are not as here. Even so, said his father. What would you bid me do, said the son, when I come to that palace? And his father said, to wed the king of Elfland's daughter. 
Yeah, I know you do, because your mother recommended this book to me. It's The King of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany, a pre-Tolkien fantasist. Huh. Is that just Excellent. a portion of it, or is that the whole thing? That is the first uh, few paragraphs of the first chapter. Okay. Huh. It's, uh, it's a really wonderful book, and I do recommend it because it's very... It's English fantasy steeped in English myth as opposed to the retold Finnish myth that is Tolkien's work. That reminds me, I have two George MacDonald books on my bookshelf that I actually need to get around to reading. You should. I hear they're excellent. Do it. Peter. I'm related to him. Sorry. Oh. Continue. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Huh. From Genesis 18 onward, God keeps showing up incognito. In the New Testament, the Gospel of John describes the Incarnation as the Word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. I like how Eugene Peterson in the message translates this text. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The stranger God forces you to be a better neighbor. Indeed, Jesus started out his life as a refugee, fleeing Herod's persecution. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus fled Israel to live in Egypt as immigrants and foreigners. Jesus was that weird foreign kid sitting in the back of the classroom. Zechariah 7.10 says, Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. And now we see why. That refugee is Jesus. God comes to us as an immigrant speaking with an accent. Another example is Luke 24. It's after the resurrection, and two of Jesus' followers are walking towards the town of Emmaus, perplexed by the reports of Jesus' empty tomb. Then a stranger appears. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. But they don't recognize him. This time Jesus is, quite literally, a stranger. Jesus then explains to the disciples how the scriptures foretold the death and resurrection of the Messiah. <clears throat> As the trio draws near to the village of Emmaus, the sun is setting, so the two disciples extend hospitality to the stranger, welcoming him into their home for shelter and a meal. During that meal, Jesus takes the bread and breaks it, and in that moment, in the breaking of the bread, they recognize him. It's Jesus. What is that from? That is from Stranger God by Richard Beck. I like that. I like that a lot. Richard Beck is amazing. Derek White turned me on to him several years ago. And oh, yeah, okay. his stuff is wonderful. He has a, a blog that you'd probably enjoy called Experimental Theology. I mm -hmm. referenced it a lot when we were doing the weekend reading stuff for Saving the Game for a couple of years. Sounds familiar, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Daniel. Now I saw upon a time when he was walking in the fields that he was, as he was wont, reading his book and greatly distressed in his mind. And as he read, he burst out as he had done before, crying, What shall I do to be saved? I saw that he also looked this way and that, as if he would run. Yet he stood still, because, as I perceived, he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and saw a man named Evangelist coming to him and asked, Wherefore dost thou cry? He answered, Sir, I perceive by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment, and I find that I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Then said Evangelist, Why not willing to die, since this life has attended with so many evils? The man answered, because I fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I shall fall into Tophet. And sir, I be not fit to go to prison. I am not fit to go to judgment. And from thence to execution, and the thoughts of these things make me cry. That's from Pilgrim's Progress, isn't it? Oh. Yes, it is. Huh. I happen to have a copy that, turns out, was printed in 1906. Wow. Oh. Very cool. That's yeah. very cool. When I was in high school, I bought one that was uh, written in, it said modern English. Technically, it was written in modern English, but uh, updated English. And I had a whole book. I had It was really cool. And then I lent it to a friend, and she never gave it back. Oh. Unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I managed to find an old copy in a vintage bookstore. Uh -huh. Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Huh. Ah! Oh wait, what? Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Fun fact: uh, Canada has a different Dragon Ball Z theme song, and 
I forgot that until I was about to bust into it, and I was like, oh, none of them are going to know what I'm talking about. I don't think I know the American one. It's okay. The, the American one, one is, is just guitars. Oh. <laughs> we we have lyrics. <laughs> we have lyrics. It's it's so corny. I, I, I kind of love it. I think one. Because <laughs> DBZ was right after Reboot, and Reboot was like a must for me growing True. up. So, uh... Right. I've I just had Batman the Animated reboot. Series. Also, <laughs> I uh, also, you can tell which one of us is Canadian because they said DBZ. Sure. I made it eight seconds into the Canadian intro. She's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she rarely so, is. <laughs> so far, I've had three lyrics. Um, they've all been the word dragon. Dragon, dragon, dragon. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. That's basically what happened. Um, Wait, it's what that. What? Which one did I hear then? Because that one does go. Mushroom. Wait, what? What? No, no, <laughs> that's a different no. thing. <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Same time period. No, it's, it's not, not quite. Western. That it only says dragon dragon twice. My apologies. My, my Dragon Ball Z doesn't have drums. <laughs> okay, we're moving I like how on. we're starting with an outtake. This is excellent. <laughs> yeah, I'll just clip. I'm gonna leave it. It's fine. I may move it. Later. Not right my right anime. Right. It's been a while since we gamed. Dragon, I'm sorry dragon, for derailing. I would yeah, complain, okay. but this, this is literally what happens in every game. Yeah, this is this is like a hallowed role playing tradition. You don't game for far too long. You sit around. You waste the first half hour just being goofy, and then you get into the actual game. It's required at it this point. I think. Yeah, tell me all about it, Peter. Come on. <laughs> May, I mean, and it checks out. and. In honor of uh, Monty Python, we should make at least a few of those jokes first, because we are doing D and D after all. That's yeah, fair. true. Yeah. And we lost a member of the uh, yeah. the cast just today, actually. Yeah. Ones. 